that, that one that one class that I took when I was in my bachelor's, which was I think in the first or second year, um, it opened so much for me. Um, suddenly I was able to hear differently. It was a group class, right? So we had to improvise together and we had a very good teacher. That was always the thing also that you need a good teacher. And um, that just hooked me, I think. Today I'm talking to the Swiss harpist, Esther Severak. Hello, Esther. It's so great to meet you here on Zoom. Great to meet you too. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. It's uh, I find you very fascinating what you do with a harp. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're taking really harp music to a different level. I try. I try. <laughs> So, uh, but that, that's very brave, isn't it, to um, to sort of push the boundaries a little bit? Yeah, I guess, but um, I think everyone does it in a way. Uh, if you if you're creative, uh, you will always try to find new things, right? So, uh, probably everyone does it in their own way. Yeah, but I think it's it's this um, idea of there's this classical instrument or the uh, uh, instruments that's perceived as being classical, and um, and I also always think that is something that's so ingrained in us that that's how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to sound, and then it's so refreshing to come across you because you just um, then sort of. Um, dare to do something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the harp is actually, of course, it has a big classical tradition. But if you dig a little more, you always find people who did different things. Um, it's just that I think in the mainstream, it's perceived as mostly classical, which is actually not so right. If you look at... Um, uh, older music, the harps were much smaller. Um, it was used to play folk music a lot, uh, Irish mm. music, Welsh music. Um, and also there's a very big tradition of harp in um, uh, South America. So there's a lot of harp in Paraguay, for example, or in many different countries where the harp is actually a rhythmic instrument. It's used like a rhythmic uh, element a lot and uh, if you meet harpists from South America they do completely different things than what people do here and the harps are also different a little smaller um, but the harp here in Europe evolved into this big orchestral solo instrument um, which is also great I mean I used I, I, I studied that so I'm perfectly happy with what I studied and uh, it built such a good foundation for me technically. Um, I think you can take elements from every tradition. And then of course, because I was interested in a lot of different traditions, I finally did my own thing. Um, but actually many harpists do now. I think it's, it's growing this kind of idea that you can, you have to expand a little bit. You have to go into different styles um, also because there are a lot of musicians and um, a lot of, yeah. well, I don't like the word competition, but it's still, we have many people who do things and we need to be creative to have something to do, to find jobs, to 
um, stay in the business. Mm-hmm. And for that, you need to do your own little thing, I guess. It's bigger now than it was maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago or something. Also because there's internet, right? So yeah. uh, you're more aware, you're more aware of everybody. Exactly. You see what other people do a lot more. <clears throat> uh, but I've spoken to a, a harpist who, who plays jazz and plays in jazz bands and so on. And that was also for me interesting to see how the harp gets its place into jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming, really. The harp is booming in jazz. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, if you look at new releases, new music, people are interested in harpists and that's that's great. It's a yeah. good opportunity for us. And Amazing, uh, there's also now in a few schools, you can actually study jazz harp, which is very, very new. Really? Oh, I think okay. maybe 10, 15 years, something like that. Um, so it's a very good opportunity for us. I think yeah. the would be would be to do both, right? To do mm-hmm. classical, learn the tradition and also learn what you can do else. Because in jazz, you have always this rhythmic element, uh, the groove element that in classical, we don't learn that much. So if we do, if we start to play with jazz musicians, sometimes first it's very disturbing and we don't understand really Mm. what's going on because the rhythm is really different. It's a really different way of approaching rhythm. And uh, the best thing is to play with people. And then you have no choice. You have to, you have to find your way to do that. <laughs> and you improvise, you have to learn to improvise as well. And that I heard is, is quite tricky if, you, um, if you're not used to it. Yes, exactly. There's always this, um, this thing that classical people, when they meet jazz musicians, the first thing that they say, I don't improvise. I don't improvise. Really? Don't ask me to do improvise. Um, which is a shame, I think, because it's not true. I think we can all improvise. We have to, sometimes we have to learn it again a little bit. Um, if we played our whole life classical music with, you know, sheets and everything written, then we have, we're a little intimidated by people who, who improvise their whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't do it. We have to learn it again, I guess. And uh, the best thing would be to never stop because when you're a child, uh, you automatically improvise. Uh, and ch- children are so creative and then it it gets lost a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. it would be great to just keep it and then... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with with many things, I've been thinking lately also about dancing and and you know somebody said that or somewhere I read that you know we were uh, really dancing as children and we were drawing and we were making music just this the way we wanted it to and it's a pity that it that doesn't ca- carry on they you know that that spontaneity and that um sort of uh not thinking about what it sounds like or what it looks like so Exactly. You have to stop judging yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, which is a problem maybe with, you know, society, system, school. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to to show stuff to teachers who tell you it's good, it's not, etc. And that's uh, sometimes I think uh, it's, it's not good for creativity because creativity shouldn't be judged. It should be just, should just exactly. happen. Yeah. Uh, but of course, yeah, of course we can, we can, uh, get better you know we can get feedback from people it's very important actually to get feedback uh, all the stuff that i did now 
it was uh, I needed people to 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 give me advice. You know, you, you can't do everything that you do by yourself. So it's important to have advice. But it's so it's important as a teacher to to see where you can help your students um, being more creative, um, but also to see the limits. What is their idea? What do they want? And to not completely stop that or tell them to do something else. So, so it's very, I think, very hard to teach creatively. I do it with the children, but also with that, it's it's a challenge because you don't want to 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 you know to um, do something else with the thing that the child brought. They have an idea, so you're yeah. not going to destroy the idea. Of course, you have to do something with the idea and help them develop the idea. Um, and that's super interesting. I love to do that. And it's the same with adults, I think. Uh, it's not so different. Uh, adults are more judgy. They judge what they do themselves. Yeah. We they always count, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. With kids, it's not like that so much. So yeah. um, uh, I think it's it's so refreshing to work with kids creatively. I love and, it. Yeah. No, I can imagine. And so you teach as well. Yeah, I teach. I have my own harp studio. Um, and I have students from the age of six to 70 plus, I think. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing that people still take on the harp because I think it's not a very easy instrument to uh, to play. First of all, also uh, that you, it's not the instrument that you just, uh, you know, put in a case and, and go on the train. <laughs> no, not really. Um, not really. It's sometimes something that blocks people from starting the hope. It's this uh, logistic problem. Yeah, it is actually. It's not a problem, but it's uh, something that you have to to deal with. You mm -hmm. have to find a way of either you play at your home and you stay in your home with the harp, or if you want to play with people, it's more difficult than if you're a flutist or a violinist. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, you have to. You have to find solutions for carrying the harp. But uh, many people who start the harp, they don't start on the very big harps, right? They start on smaller harps. Oh, so, on smaller harps. Uh, you can carry them more or less. Um, and uh, I think that you can start at every age. Obviously, the harp is hard because of the coordination. Uh, like piano, right? We have both hands that play different things, um, different voicings, etc. But there are things on the heart that are much easier than on other instruments. Um, you can create a sound very, uh, very fast. You can just do like this and you have a sound. And with, let's say, clarinet, oboe, violin even, to have a beautiful sound from one note in the beginning is very difficult, actually. Um, that takes many weeks <laughs> to finally find your own sound. And on the harp, obviously, you can also work on your sound, but you can just do... You can play pieces very, very fast, um, like on the piano, actually, because you have all the notes that are just there. Oh, yeah. And with the harp, it's also like that. So to start and to just um, discover the instrument, um, it's easy to just do one song, you know, very easy melody uh, that works immediately. And uh, people don't know that usually. They think it's super hard Oh, really? Play one song, you know, but actually it's not. <laughs> it's uh, it depends if you can read music or not. But even if you can't read music, um, there are many things you can learn with your mm -hmm. ear. So, yeah. Amazing. But um, how did you start with harp 
playing harp. Uh, what was it about the instrument that in that inspired you to take lessons? Well, I started very early. Uh, I wanted to play already when I was seven. Um, and I think, um, I, I know, I went to um, do an early music, how do you call that? No, not early music, uh, you know, uh, discovering music kind of class. Oh, yeah. with, mm -hmm. And um, and the teacher had, well, she had uh, cassettes because uh, <laughs> it was in the 90s. So uh, okay, cassette yeah. player. And uh, she showed us different instruments, but it was only with the sound, right? We just heard the instruments. And so there I heard the harp and I wanted to play the harp. But uh, I think my parents waited a little bit because uh, they didn't know if it was just one thing that would disappear. Oh, yeah. But it didn't disappear. Um, I think what made me stay with the harp is really that the sound um, captivated me much more than what the harp looked like because that happens, that... People are fascinated by the way the harp looks. The harp is amazingly looking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. And, it's, it's, and um, if you are fascinated by the sound in the beginning, when you want to start, I see it in many people that you are more you 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 start um, you go on with with playing a lot more than if you're just visually. You know, the visual thing, it just disappears at some point. You have oh, yeah. to love the sound. Mm -hmm. And that what that's what happened with me. I really loved the sound and I still love it. And so I started then in the music school and I was in Geneva. I grew up in Geneva, Switzerland. And uh, I went to the music school, did the whole music school thing uh, until I was 20. And then I, really? was, and then I went to Basel to study. Uh, professionally so mm -hmm. yeah so in the music school that you went to so that was that was specifically music so it's like a vocational training so you uh, mm -hmm. you do academics as well and then mostly music yes I mean it's um I mean in French it's conservatoire right conservatory so oh, the yeah. conservatory in France in France and also in French part of Switzerland is um is built in this academic way that you have instrumental lessons and you also have theory a lot, actually. Uh, when I think now how much theory I had when I was a kid, it's it's really a lot. It's much more than in German-speaking countries. I, I live in Basel now, so um, I see the difference a lot. And um, when I was when I started, I had two two times a week I had theory. So I had more theory, more musical theory than an instrument. Really? <laughs> which is really and, a lot uh, and did, did that benefit you? Do you can you see the the benefit from it yes I think for me it was good I was a very um you know study uh, I like to study I didn't have problems with studying I also had parents who helped me that's a very big important okay. point. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that it was good for every kid I think for some children, it was way too much. And uh, they didn't, I have many friends actually from Geneva who who did that and who stopped, who stopped completely, who stopped really? instrument also, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was okay, but I became a professional. And uh, people who don't want to become professionals, which are much more, um, maybe that's a little much. I don't know if it's still like that. I think maybe not. Maybe now it's a little more flexible. You can maybe choose between between different classes, maybe you start later with heart theory, you know, because we were really in a class and we had to do solfege and rhythm. And so for me, it was okay. But I, 
did it a lot at home with my mother. And um, I think without that, I couldn't have done it by myself. So it has its good sides and its bad sides, I think. But now it's interesting that you say the sound of the instrument, because this is also, uh, I hear that so often where uh, musicians say that it was the sound of the instrument that appealed to them. Um, and amazing that you say also that that keeps you going. I mean, that keeps you interested in your in your instrument. Yes, I think uh, definitely it's it's a, the biggest thing because you will hear that sound every day that you practice and you have to like it. If you don't like yeah. it, then nothing will keep you close to your instrument, right? You have to keep this contact with the instrument also when you're a kid. Um, and the sound is the first thing that needs to to be there and to fascinate you all the time. Um, so yeah, we have to use our ears. <laughs> yeah, but when you started now experimenting with with different things that you can do with your instrument, uh, was it gradually that you that you did that? You know that you started thinking, okay, but how how can I use these sounds in in a different way? Yeah, I think it's it's never really that um, conscious, right? It's just a process. It's it's uh, something that you discover and uh, one thing will lead you to another. So I was never, when I was younger, actually, like teenager, I was very traditional in the way that I liked classical music. I played all the classical harp pieces. I was never the experimental type when I was really? a teenager. No, not at all. <laughs> I was even against it. I remember I really? went, to one, yeah, I went to one improvisation class, and I was thinking, why are we doing this? And <laughs> but well, it changed when I went to study professionally because then you're confronted with so many different kinds of things that you 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 have to open your mind a little bit, right? And then I discovered improvisation when I was in my bachelor's, and. Um, it was i think i had more uh more tools i was i had more technical tools i was i knew more music etc so i was able to to express myself a lot more in that improvisation class than when i was younger and oh, uh, yeah that, that one that one class that i took when i was in my bachelor's which was i think in the first or second year um it opened so much for me um suddenly I was able to hear differently it was a group class right so we had to improvise together and we had a very good teacher that was always the thing also that you need a good teacher and um that just hooked me I think and then also I was always very interested in working with composers the composers of my age that were studying yeah. with me or also projects with composers who were you know alive yeah <laughs> and, um, and I think that inspired me a lot to see how music can uh, be created in the moment. And uh, you see how flexible it is, that it can be changed. You know, if you have a composer there that you can talk to, um, they're open to understanding how your instrument works. And they ask you, what could we do that it sounds better? And you have to think with them if, you know, if they have um, this curiosity about your instrument, it's amazing. And that's that led me to to see how how can I make things better? How can I uh, play something that they want to hear, but they don't know how to write it for my instrument, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so they tell me what they want to hear and then I have to adapt it to my instrument. And that was always something I really loved. So these two elements led to, you know, other things. Um, but there was the start, I it was already doing my bachelor. So that was 2010, between 2010, 2013. And then since this creative thing really fascinated me, I went to the jazz school in the same uh, city, the same, so the same building, but it's just in the same uh, in institution, right? So I could take classes in the jazz campus in Basel. And then I met other people, I played with them, and in jazz, usually everyone composes. That's the difference between... Uh, people who study jazz and people who study classical, uh, that actually in classical, if you want to uh, compose, you really have to study composition. You have this one, I think it's a master's study, you you study composition. And in jazz, it's different. You also have, you can choose, obviously, to do more composition or to have more focus on it. But actually, you compose from the beginning because jazz is improvised music. And improvisation, oh, yeah. it leads to composition very quickly. It's very close, right? Both improvisation is composition in the moment. Um, and so you will always do both actually. And then playing with all these people in the jazz campus who were all very creative and uh, who all released their own music, you know, it was very fascinating to me. Oh, that's great. I could do that too, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's so interesting what you're talking about now because, um, uh, well, uh, composers always say they love how the uh, music sounds that they've written and they love that that the musicians enjoy playing the music. So if these the collaborations together, mm -hmm. um, it's it's amazing that you also found it interesting that, you know, that you could could collaborate in that way or that you could have an input from your from your from your instrument in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it's always good to be open to to other things um, and to 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 listen to what other people do. Go to concerts, be inspired. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because you sometimes think uh, there's so many hours that you, when you play your instrument, so many hours where you have to practice alone and be on your own, and then it must be so refreshing to get together with other musicians and. Uh, see what you can do together yeah definitely um very important to be with other people um that's also a thing with the harp which is not always easy uh, you have to organize a lot more when you're a harpist than if you're a guitarist or something you know oh, because you have to organize you have to organize a a place to to rehearse or somewhere to go that you can go with the harp or you know so harpists are always the ones who organize <laughs> because they have to think about logistics with their instrument. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've enjoyed a lot playing with other people. It's really important to me. And also when I'm on stage to have this crew of people, you know. I love being also soloist. I I I think it's well, when you're soloist, you can you can decide a lot more um by yourself, right? Um but that's a good thing, but it's also kind of stressful and sometimes a burden because you have to decide everything yourself. So oh, you don't yeah. have anyone else. You don't have a colleague who can just tell you something. Uh, and with a band, with a crew, with a group of people, um, sometimes these stressful things are 
divided between people, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can share good things if the concert was good. At the end, you can celebrate. If things didn't work, you can just tell each other, oh, it's okay, the next one is going to be better. You know, you have all this, these elements. That's that are important. Super important. Yeah, very important. But you also sort of style yourself or your style your 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 whole image like that uh, with with the instrument with I see on your website also the lighting and things like that. So is that also consciously you it's not you you're very creative in that way as well? Yeah, um, but again, it's it's something that just happens sometimes. You know, you just take an opportunity and and uh, for these new pictures that I did it was somehow we tried it you know it was not an idea that I had in the beginning but I was with the photographer who's a really good friend of mine and we just we just thought about a few ideas and tried them out and um, and then in the end I chose the things I thought would go best with my music but it was not in the beginning a very conscious idea I will do this with these oh, yeah. colors, with these mm -hmm. lighting not really um so, yeah, of course, I think about uh, what image I want to have and then, but it's more, it's, it's experimental, you know, and you try so many things and then you choose what works. Um, I read this comp comparison between artists and um, uh, scientists because you are in your little lab, <laughs> which is not yeah. really here, but, and you try especially if you're creative and sometimes it doesn't work, but it's also important that things don't work because, uh, you know, in science, it's also important to see a result that yeah. doesn't. And with, with creative, like creativity, it's also like that with art. Um, if you look at artists, you know, um, I don't know, Picasso or some, someone, um, there's so much that they did that, will not really be famous you know they have a few famous works of art and a lot of others that is nobody really knows it I saw actually an exhibition about the young Picasso that's why I'm thinking about that so you saw all the things he did when we, when he was very young and a lot of things nobody knows and you also see an evolution in his uh, way of painting um, and it's yeah so you, I think of course we have a direction always and something that feels right but we always try and we fail and we fail again <laughs> and a few yeah. will work maybe and then we choose them yeah it's the same i mean it's the same in photography as well you don't show all the <laughs> the pictures that you don't want people to see but but you have to experiment and i find it really interesting that you mentioned that as well because you have to you have to have these little failures or you have to have these experiments that that doesn't work to be the stepping stone for the next probably mm -hmm. you know a few that doesn't work that that brings the one that does so um exactly it's yeah about exactly. doing it's yeah. about doing yeah, mm -hmm. yeah 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 the ones that don't work will help you to find out what what works it's super important actually this uh, this uh, stuff that you won't show to anyone i mean with the pictures that i took uh, of course, you're a photographer, so you know uh, there are. I don't. I think there were more than a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we were two days in studio and outside, and uh, and then you have to choose them, right? That takes a long time. <laughs> so, yeah. 
And then sometimes on the one day, one looks great. And then five days later, you think, no, that other one that I threw out, that's the one that I want. Yes. <laughs> but it's um, it's also, I think, sometimes social media has so many wonderful uh, things that it brings. And especially, I mean, from social media, I saw you and, and saw what you're doing and, and uh, could hear what you're doing. But there's also a side to social media that it only shows this, that we show the perfect side. Mm -hmm. And then I wonder if it's sometimes also discouraging for this young generation coming up, because it's it's almost as if they only see there um, and they don't realize how many hours you've practiced and how many hours you've sat there in in the practice room and didn't have success. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think it's it's also important to show that side? Not necessarily on social media, but that, you know, you're a teacher, so you have your students come in and that they experience this mm -hmm. almost a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, probably uh, social media doesn't help for that. Um, but I guess it was already like that before. If you go to a concert and you see this musician and you think they're amazing, you also oh, yeah. don't know, right, how much, how many hours. You know it's sort of theoretically, you know, that these people obviously um, had to learn what they did, but you don't know the amount of hours that's true. Um Sometimes I think that people don't want to know it. I'm not sure, but if I'm teaching, I, I I usually say how much I practice. It happens because you have students who don't progress or who are frustrated, etc. And and then I say, okay, you know, I've been playing since I was seven, so it's totally normal that I'm I'm further away. Um, I'm further in my in my heart playing, obviously. And uh, when I studied, I played five, six hours a day. But then if you say that, sometimes people are even more discouraged, you know, because they, they, they know oh, that they, yeah. they're, not, they're never going to do that, obviously, because they're not, be, not going to become professionals, which is fine. Um, but that means that they think this is, it's, it's a little unachievable, you know, what they're doing, which is wrong. I think... It depends on what you want to do and what uh, what piece you're learning and what level you're at and what goal you set for yourself. And um, that's something that we teachers need to do with the students because we know more or less um, in how much time will they be able to achieve something. And they want to learn this piece and uh, then if it's too hard, we have to tell them. And um, that's something that's it's not easy to do because they want to play it. So, but I have a few students, like adult students. I have one student, she started with me, and she said, I want to play Mozart Concerto, which is uh, a big repertoire piece for us. It's, it's a concerto for flute and harp. It's the only concerto that Mozart write for harp. It's very hard. And she was a violinist, uh, but uh, she never played harp in her life. And I said, sure. But probably in six, seven years. I <laughs> uh, really. And uh, but that was it was okay for her, and she she took lessons, and that was I think ten years ago, and now she played Mozart, uh, like so. Okay. 
that goal. Oh, I get goosebumps now. It's a beautiful <laughs> story. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not, I mean, um, she she played. I think uh, I don't think she played the whole piece. I think she played the second movement or maybe the first one, I don't remember. And she played it with a friend of hers who was uh, learning flute. And then she found a colleague who was playing piano and they played it in a trio and we did it, rehearsed it here in my house, etc. So, you know, but that's an exception. Usually if you tell people uh, it's going to take seven years to learn this piece, they're not, they, they don't want to hear it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you, have to be, you have to be careful with that. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the question about the social media, again, um, I think it's a little bit also like that. So people want to have this fascination a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you crush it too much, it's not not good either. But um, I like to show sometimes, uh, you know, little failures that I have. It's funny actually. If you if you if you record a, a video for social media, which I did a lot, um, you're never gonna post the first one that you're recording, right? You're gonna post maybe the yeah yeah. If it's something hard, and scrutinize uh, it a little bit before you post it. <laughs> exactly, you're gonna you're gonna do five or ten takes or something, and then you're gonna choose one that's good. Or and um, and sometimes it's funny to show that you know to show all the mm-hmm. versions that you did that you didn't want to post. Uh, I've done that a few times, and people react a lot to that because they see, oh, okay, uh, she's not she's not just recording one thing and then posting it. It's really yeah. never like that. I, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, so that's okay to do and so people relate a little bit more to you you know you have to find a balance i think <clears throat> yeah i also thought a lot about this in the past and and, and by talking also to our different artists that uh, you know children when they when they learn instruments and i mean i played the piano when i was a child i'm not a musician but it makes me appreciate um music or or the musician so much more because you know the hours that it took and so you know a little bit about the instrument you know and and also the sound of the instrument so in that sense I wonder if it's not so important that that you know more children are exposed to the different instruments I'm not saying they should learn many many but like you say you have students there that they're not going to become professional musicians but yet you teach them the love for the instrument and you give them the opportunity to play something um, and that will make them be appreciative for harp music and for for Ooh. harp musicians. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, I think everyone should learn something, you know, an instrument. It's, it's always yeah. so good for so different reasons. Uh, it, it, I'm not inventing anything now if I say um, there's so much research already about how music is good that, yeah. if you're um, if you're a child, right? Um, for children, it develops their hearing, it develops their coordination. Uh, also, this discipline thing that you will not achieve something unless you do it every day or, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you learn that and... Uh, also, all this social thing, playing with other people, listening to them, uh, those people listening to you, responding. Um, there's a lot of things that can be learned with music. Um, so I always think everyone should, <laughs> should learn an instrument. Yeah, you know? yeah no, definitely. But now tell me, um, Esther, what are the wishes for you for the future? Oh, 
That's a difficult question. Um, it's difficult to answer that because as I said before, um, there are opportunities and things just evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I now um, really liked about releasing this album that I did is that it gave me so much confidence. You know, it's my own music. I have this CD uh, in my hands, something I always wanted to do. So I'd love to do that more. Um, it depends. I don't know what music. I don't know. Will, will it be my own music? Will it be classical? Will it be something, um, I don't know, uh, something completely different with uh, uh, actors, with, you know, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. um, mm. But why not? I mean, uh, I always... I always like to collaborate with people who do other things. So who knows? I, I I don't have a concrete idea, but I have many ideas actually for different recordings. And recording is something I really enjoy so much. Um, so that's something I definitely want to go on with. And, um, and now really it evolved in a direction that I didn't see, but it... It just happened that I... Um, I'm playing more and more with jazz musicians. And... Um, I really enjoy it because, as I said before, there's a creative side to it, which means that you're always going to play compositions by by people who who can um, have a communication with you about your instrument and it can, you know, expand a little bit the repertoire of the instrument. And that I find really fascinating. I also had this idea of recording a CD uh, and asking different composers to, to write a piece for the harp that I would record, you know. I have many ideas <laughs> for that. So um, it's just, yeah, every recording, every album takes, if you want to release it physically, like a CD and everything, it takes, uh, I don't know, at least a year or two. Really? Um, um, there's so much to to do. I, I saw it now. It took, it took really a long time. And actually people told me that I was quite quick. So oh, really? I recorded in uh, spring 2000. 22 and the album came out in September 23 so it was like a, yeah a year and a half and that's actually short yeah you, you have to do so much and before the time it's also the planning and everything to to get that together so it's it is a long process but I love your your ideas and the fact that you are so open to different things you know that you uh, that you want to explore all these different things but do you think this is also something that makes a connection with a younger audience? Because we're also thinking about, uh, say, classical music um, is not for everybody, but but you sort of opening up uh, an avenue for maybe a, a, an audience that's not necessarily going to be your classical audience. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm trying not to think too much about that I try to mostly do things that uh, I am happy with and then I can I can be 100% convinced that and if if I'm convinced I'm happy if people respond but it's okay if they don't um Mm. I still think it's okay um but it's true that about this age thing with audience I'm not exactly sure if um, classical music is, is something that young people can't relate to. I don't think that that's entirely true. I think it's more also about, you know, 
also a sort of system, right? I mean, classical music is, if you go to a concert, it's much more expensive. Uh, it happens, actually. Yeah, if you go to the opera, too. But I think, I mean, going to the opera is something I love. And um, I'm absolutely sure it was if it was marketed in a different way, and if uh, it was a little cheaper, maybe um, younger people would go. Um, mm. It's just a way of, of communicating. Um, and... Um, yeah, so probably I have a little, I don't know if I have a younger audience, but I have maybe an audience that's that's, um, that's broad. Maybe oh, in okay. my there are people who are younger, people who are older. It's really mixes together. Um, to really interest younger people now, uh, everybody should go on TikTok. <laughs> 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 that's that's where they are now and that's a challenge really. doing their makeup <laughs> they're doing their makeup on, t on tiktok that's all i know about okay. <laughs> oh, but anyway it's, it's probably uh, i like to understand how things work you know I want to. Yeah. I want to understand how could I? What could I do on TikTok that would interest people who are on TikTok? It's yeah. always a challenge that I have for myself. Yeah, which is maybe completely not useful at all. I don't know if it brings anything, but um, it's just my my uh, I don't know my pedagogical interest in it. You know, what, what oh, are yeah, they, yeah. why are these people on TikTok and what interests them? And uh, I haven't really found it yet, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> Maybe I still I still will find something that yeah that I'm uh, no but I'm I'm 59 now so I don't I don't really care I put my things out and if people want to listen or to watch then they do if they don't then you know what you you cannot please the whole world so exactly I mean if yeah. you're convinced by what you're doing then exactly yeah yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love what I do and I love meeting people and, and all the stories that I hear so often, it's it's just wonderful. It's so inspiring and it's opened my mind. It's for me so interesting to hear, you know, what you're saying. It it just it's it's so um uh, thought provoking, you know, and, and always after an interview I think about what I've heard and, and the story and 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 I make the connections with other musicians or with other artists or even different forms of art, you know. And and yeah, it's it, these these stories are really very interesting. But thank you so much for your time, Esther. It was so great to talk to you. I'm so fascinated by your work. So it's so lovely and so inspiring to hear your story as well and um and keep going and i'm going to follow you and see what you're up to because i love your ideas and love that you're so open to new ideas thank you thank you Petra, for inviting me to this interview it was really nice and it was, uh, i'm happy that it could take place now and that we finally met so thank you so much yeah yeah no, it's a pleasure